Before we get started with the return of Greenwood on deck, I wanted to welcome you all into our podcast. It has been a long time. Uh, it has been since 2019, early 2019, since we have ran the podcast. Uh, I started the podcast in 2018 with the intent of having real substantive conversations with the cultural and social leaders that uh, shape our community here in beautiful Greenwood, South Carolina. I wanted to kind of give you a little bit of insight, a little bit of a backstage pass into how I do this. Um, obviously, I have to pick a subject. Uh, someone who is willing to submit to an interview, the person has to have background information out there. I have to be able to do uh, good research on them. I do not give my interviewees any kind of idea as to what is going to be discussed. Um, all I can assure uh, my interviewees is that I'm not going to ever put you in a situation that's going to make you uncomfortable or ask you, you know, tough, controversial questions. That's not what this podcast is about. This co- podcast is about the individual. It's about how they perceive Greenwood, how, what they're doing in Greenwood, um, and to build up our community. So as you listen back to old episodes and as you start to listen to the new episodes, I hope you keep that in mind that this is, this is meant to be an organic conversation. Uh, I have bullet points. I have places where I want to go with the interview. I, I like to see the interviewee's face light up when they go, oh, I didn't remember that. Or I, I, that's a great question. I, I pride myself on trying to conduct a, a really good interview. Uh, with that said, I want to make sure that you all uh, subscribe to this podcast, whether you're listening to it on Google, Apple, Spotify, Anchor. We are on 11 or 12 different uh, podcast platforms. So make sure to hit that subscribe button so that you get alerts to when new episodes are going to pop up. And finally, I wanted to let you all know that I do have some sponsorship opportunities out there. Uh, I would like to sell three sponsorship opportunities. Uh, one at the beginning of the episode for 30 seconds, one at the end of the episode for 30 seconds, and one during an interview for 30 seconds. And I would like to do them at very reasonably priced uh, just to kind of help me cover some of my costs. Um, so if you or someone you know has interest in sponsoring the podcast, please reach out to me on Facebook, uh, Greenwood On Deck Podcast. Uh, you can certainly reach me there. Um, you can also reach me at uh, Clayton Sprouse at yahoo.com. With that said, enjoy your our interview with Austin Landers. Welcome to Greenwood on Deck with your host, Clay Sprouse. We are meeting our talented residents who are shaping the social and cultural landscape of Greenwood, South Carolina. Greenwood on Deck is a production of CES and presented by Anchor.
Okay, welcome into the Greenwood on Deck podcast. It is so good to be back. Uh, it has been since 2019 since we've done it, and I'm super excited to have today's guest, Austin Landers. Uh, do you yeah. want to introduce yourself by giving us like the weather and the time? <laughs> um, I could do that. It's 12:24 on a Wednesday afternoon, and uh, I think we're a steamy 72 degrees today. It is muggy out there. See, that's that's the voice that people know. <laughs> I mean, you're the afternoon voice. Um, we haven't seen each other since the Greenwood Grooving yeah. uh, event, a uh, huge event. Uh, how many people were out there? 400? It was three to four. It was a good amount of people, yeah. A lot of people. Can you even explain what that was to people? I mean, they, it's it was obviously a concert, yeah. but what the experience was. It oh, was, man. Uh, that's a great question. I don't know. For I think it's different sided with the people on stage and off, but I think for the people off stage, it was like this, uh, I guess, like emotional release to go see live music again. And then on top of that, you know, uh, Greenwood Performing Arts hosted the thing, and they usually bring in out-of-town bands. And this is the first time they've ever done anything with a single in-town band, and they pretty much got everybody. I I mean, so to do that is kind of like a monumental thing and to some degree for local music. And then for all of us, you know, we play gigs every now and then. You can uh, relate to that, and so can I and many others. But it was just fun. For us, it was just fun, and that's the best way I could say it. And then having everyone up there on the stage, at the end doing that, it was it was kind of like a touching, it was a touching moment, and it was it was a great thing for uh, everyone involved. I, you know, and w- maybe we can touch on it a little bit later on. But I, I've been struggling to think. We've done, we've hit so many plateaus as local musicians and, mm-hmm. and as a music community. How can we top that? Because it was. And without extending it and making it a full-fledged festival where yeah. every act gets multiple, you know, gets a bigger time slot, mm-hmm. I don't know how you top what they what what they did that night. What everybody no, did. they said they wanted to do it again, so maybe we'll do it again next year to some degree. But right. you know, it, the event was successful in pretty much every aspect. Sure. Um, so uh, hopefully Lisa Greenwood Performing Arts will uh, give us a call uh, sometime, you know, around next August or, you know, early before that because, you know, it takes a while to plan that kind of stuff. Yeah, it does. But um, and, and I'm, I'm glad that I had nothing to do with the planning <laughs> that I could just show up and play because it looked like it was a complicated process. Let's get into um, let's get into you for a little bit. Okay. So. Um, normally the way I start out the podcast is just kind of get a, a brief, um, summary of your background in Greenwood. Okay. Uh, you are from Greenwood? Yeah. I was born, born in raised. Self Memorial Hospital right, back right. in the day yeah. and, uh, went to Oakland and now it's Rice Elementary. Sure. And then I went to Northside, then I went to Emerald and then I graduated from Lander and I spent a lot of my childhood like on the weekends and things up in uh, Gastonia, North Carolina. So okay. I have roots up there near Charlotte and Gastonia, but mainly here. And I did live in Daytona for about like half a year. Half a year. <laughs> yeah, in college. <laughs> Wait, so what year did you graduate from Emerald? Emerald, ooh, okay, let's do this right. I went to Emerald from 99 to 03 and then Lander 03 to 07. Right, yeah. and I do have the notes that you are a 2007 graduate of Lander University and major in mass communications. Mass comp. Mm-hmm. Was, you know, mass communications to me seems like something that that is, that's something that you carry from your childhood. It's almost like it's a dream and that, you know, was was mass comm something that hit you while you were at Lander or was it something that you had been thinking about the whole oh, time? Oh, no. Um, from a very early age, I mean, at Northside Middle School, we had like a little news morning show. I was part of that. 
um, help start ENN, Emerald News Network, at Emerald. Uh, over at Lander, uh, two years after I leave, they started XLR, but that's, that was a whisper to try to get that thing going. Right. And then I was a senior there. I wanted to do MassCom. I picked that major from the get-go. The only thing I didn't do was finish my minor in French. <laughs> I should have, but I didn't. And uh, I think it was my senior year at Lander. Um, I was working at Food Line and just doing uh, my typical stocking thing. I worked about 30 hours a week, went to school 15 hours a week. And Dave Fessler walked by me, frozen food section. And I was like, are you Dave from Sunny? He was like, yeah. And I was like, do you need an intern? He was like, yeah. And I said, I'll see you tomorrow. And that was almost 14 years ago, 14 years and eight months ago. Wow. <laughs> so there was never, there was never any doubt in while you were at Lander to change majors nope. or anything like this was what I was going to do. Was radio in particular the medium that you were looking at? I, I mean, I guess if XLR had been around, you would have known a little bit more. And I know Paul Crutcher, I don't know if he's still doing a XLR over there, but he did He did a great job of getting oh, yeah. it off the ground. He for sure did. Was radio what you wanted to do, or you didn't really know? Um, I didn't really know because I kind of had my thoughts. Because um, if I didn't get an internship here, I was going to intern at the Index Journal. So it could have been ended up in being in print. Um, okay. And then uh, there's another girl that graduated. Maybe I forget her name, but she works for some news channel out of Charlotte. And I remember talking to her saying, like, I wonder if I could get out of town and do something like that. And she was like, well, that's what I'm going to do. And I was like, well, I'm going to see if I can make this sunny thing work. And literally. So it was just kind of determining what to do. And I've always had a passion for not only listening to music, but playing music. So I think radio, by natural selection, chose me. And okay. I didn't really choose it. So we're saying 14 years and eight months since you've been an in, since you started here as an intern. Yeah. At what point after you started here did you actually start to get on air experience? Okay. Um. Well, I'm gonna have to go back and think about that for a little bit. Um. So I was interning here, and then I would do part time. Um. I would come in on Sunday mornings to make sure the church services run. Then I started doing Greenwood High School football, so being the on air in air studio person right here while they broadcasted live. And then, like they would say, hey, Austin, let's go back to Austin in the studio. Yeah, and, something like that. Yeah, and I okay. pretty much didn't say anything. I was just <laughs> running the board. And I think it's, I started doing on air stuff when Pat Patterson used to host uh, his beat show uh, Sundays from two to six here. And if he couldn't do it, I would fill in for him. And by all accounts, I sucked when I first started. Like, I was nervous, I would jitter, I would you know, vomit on the mic every time I pressed on. Right. Um, and then over time, I got a little bit comfortable with that. And then I started um, co-hosting the morning show with Dave. And then Dave, yeah, I remember that. Dave I remember left for about three months, and I did it all by myself. And then Dave luckily came back for me. And then we split the show up. And then one day, it was about five and a half years ago, and I just looked at Dave, I was like, do you think it'd be a better idea if you just went back to doing the mornings by yourself, and I just did an afternoon drive show? And he was like, actually, I really like that idea. I'll go, I'll go talk to John. And literally two hours later, yep, that's a go. And I was like, when do I start? And he was like, well, you know, think about what you want to do, and we'll do it from three to five. And then after about two years of doing it from three to five, uh, I think Superior Roofing, Wanted to do another hour, so they sponsored that for a whole year, and then Planet Fitness did about a year, and then after that, like it was just like one of those things that we we're focusing on sales in other areas instead sure. of sponsoring an hour. I was like, well, I'll just still do the hour, <laughs> like so it still worked out that way. But yeah, 
Um, so I guess I've on air probably somewhere between eight or nine years. So more than half of my tenure here at Sunny, I've probably been on air. Right. You stated that you would be extremely nervous oh, at yeah. first, which I, I'm sure, I'm sure that is a nerve-wracking process. So would you practice at home? Would you would you do stuff? You know, well, Dave, on your own Dave got, told me a couple things I could do. Um, he, Dave has been a pretty uh, good mentor about teaching me how to, you know, just basically just how to be a proper DJ, even though I kind of not really proper. I kind of just do my own thing, and I think that's the way people should do most things. They should do it their own way. You know, they should find their knack in whatever they do. Um, but, you know, he told me uh, one time to bring a mirror. And while I'm talking, if you feel like you're lonely, look at yourself in the mirror, which I did one time and that made me more uncomfortable. So what I would do is he said, well, when you're on air, just record yourself and then go back and listen to it. And I did that for about half a year. And then after that, um, I think even I could even get calls like in the morning and, and then when the afternoon, like, hey, you sound a lot better than you used to. I was like, well, thank you for telling me I used to suck, but and I may not be that great now, but you know, it. I've noticed progress in myself, so has Dave and John, anybody that worked here. But, you know, listeners, um, there's a lot of nice people out there. Yeah. I don't get ragged on too much. So that's that's pleasant. <laughs> well, I think I think you're, hit, you're hitting on some, if you were able to read my notes here, uh, yeah. which for our audience, I have a laptop facing me. And uh, so so Austin can't see kind of the things that I'm looking at. But this you actually hit on this. So when you're talking on air. Yeah. Are you really, are you thinking in your mind that someone is sitting across the table from you and that's your audience and you're talking to them? Or are you really just talking to yourself? I think when I used to think that I was talking to someone else, I feel like I just talked to myself. Because sometimes if you think about what someone else would say, it's almost like you're, you're talking to I don't know, like a different, like I try to imagine like I'm talking to myself, but it, that's like my reflection. Like it's a different person. It's like, what would I say if I was just, you know, just talking like this candidly? Right. What would I want to say? Or like, you know, sometimes I goof myself up. Like I laughed up the other day. I was like a local music wrap up <laughs> instead of a wrap up. And I was like, where, who's all playing? And I sat there and giggled about it. And I was like, you have to allow yourself to almost like break out of a shell. And once you do that, and then you work on your your voice, you work on your timing, you work on your ins and outs, um, you know, jumping into a song, jumping out of a song, you work on liners. Um, there's a lot of things that you learn. It's like, I and I still learn daily of how to try to make myself a better DJ, but also how to make my show more entertaining. And I think I'm doing a good job. But, um, so, uh, and I have... I'm just thankful to be here and just do what I do. Well, you said you said that you started out sharing morning, mornings with Dave before you made this transition. Mm-hmm. Would you say, from a DJ perspective, is it easier to do a show by yourself? Yes. Or is it, it is easier to do a show? I think it is, and Dave would probably say the same thing, but that's in this kind of format. Now, if you're like sports talk, doing that by yourself would be uh, hell and high water. Like, I would hate that because Tom, you know, we just switched formats from Fox to Magic, um, but there's sometimes he had to go in there doing by himself, and it's just not fun talking sports by yourself. Right. But in this format, like I'm sitting here grooving the music that I'm picking, and I don't pick everything personally for me. Sometimes, like I, I try to uh, just culture a playlist every day, and that has a flow to it. It has a theme, like with today's Way Back Wednesday, that's '60s and '70s. Let's stay in those parameters, and uh, yeah. But I think. 
having someone here with it'd be different because I've never done I've never hosted a show and had a co-host. So I don't know. But I can t- I know that the morning show got better when Dave was doing it by himself and the afternoon show has been what it is because I do it by myself. So I think it allows us to do what we're good at. Not saying that me or Dave didn't enjoy doing the show together. I think he's just more of a person that's more comfortable doing that and I think just by nature I've become comfortable doing it. It seems like to me that if you're doing the show by yourself, you do have to be conscientious that the your only audience is the audience. Yeah. Whereas if you're doing the show with someone else, you got to make sure that you're not stuck in a conversation just between you and the other person. Oh yeah, cuz then you just start to ramble. Right. And and airtime like my my quick in and outs, I usually don't hear me talk for more than two minutes at a time. Because it's an afternoon show, it's supposed to be upbeat, it's supposed to be fun, not anything political, not anything right. scandalous. I'm not trying to like cause drama, or, you know, like anything, it's just be clean. Well, because it's, be easy clean. To, it's easy to ruffle feathers in a small town. Oh, yeah. And, and <laughs> I have a guys, couple of times yeah. accidentally, like, you know, just said something about, like, you know, like Trump being orange. And just as a joke, it, I mean, it was. One of the things that was printed out for me to read, you know, and it was like a sweet potato looked like Trump. I was like, well, he's already orange. Like, you know, but I wasn't making fun of him. It was written for me, but it's funny. If you can't, if you can't laugh at yourself or have a a light hearted sense of nature about this, like you're kind of going to sink like a Led Zeppelin. Well, I think, I think both of us probably agree that there's been a degree of, of people losing their sense of humor over the past while. People that just don't seem to have a sense of humor anymore. Everybody's sensitive. It's a very, it's very sensitive. sensitive world we live in, and I don't think that I can correct all society's ills just by having a three-hour radio show. Right. But if I can help you smile and uh, put a little pep in your step and uh, change up the format a little bit on something, because I know a lot of people listen to Sunny every day, all day, and we're a top, you know, 50 to 100, you know, from the 80s to now. You know, unless that song's been a proven hit, like, we don't play it. Right. That's Sonny's format. I play things that are so left field that I'll, I'll get calls and like, what the hell are you playing today? And I was like, it's a new band. If you don't like it, maybe I won't play it again. But, hey, you heard a new band today. Now you know that you don't like that band. Well, this, is a, this is a great transition. I was going to ask you, so when you got that afternoon drive time show mm. uh, by yourself, were, were parameters set for you then? Have those parameters, if you did have parameters, have they loosened? Because you do play, you you do play some eclectic mix sometimes. You throw in stuff that, you know, people may not be familiar with, or you may play a local band on yeah. there. And that's not traditional radio. Oh, not and at that's all. certainly not Sonny's format. But, you know, do, did you have to earn that trust? To be able to do something like that? It's almost like the opposite. Um, Dave <laughs> Dave and John really didn't, like, they told me I could do what I want to do. Just, you know, make sure you stay somewhat to format. And when I first started, I blew format out so bad that, like, Dave would call in and be like, all right, you're getting a little bit too wild. So once I honed that down and, and listened to Dave a little bit, of course, he was right because you can't change the station too much. If you do that, then people are just going to change the channels. They listen to Sunny at work for a reason. Right. Um, or they listen to Sonny in their car or at home. But, yeah, it was almost like it took me – I didn't really feel like I was doing exactly what the show needed to be until about year two and a half, three. I understand. And then right then, like, because it used to be Motown Monday. 
And then I was like, Monday makes us better. I'm just be something different every Monday. And then Trivia Tuesday, that was always same. Way back Wednesday, Throwback Thursday, those are always been the same. And Funky Friday, it was more like Fun Friday. But then, like, to add some fun and funk into a show, um, yeah, I had, and then to not go too left field, I was, I was trying to stretch things out a little bit too much. And because of Dave's guidance and also just me, realizing that yeah I, I could tone down things a little bit but the show got better then sure so um i think sometimes you just gotta listen to critique because if you don't listen to critique especially when someone that's been doing radio for almost you know 35 years like dave has like he he may not be always right but i'm not always right either right. so i gotta take that guidance from him and he's my manager in boston so yes dave you are my manager uh well and good uh, friend. just as a note uh you may want to update the website. I had Motown Monday, and I had two for Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, but no, uh, just kidding around. I, I would actually love Motown Monday. but um, I still do it every now and then. Yeah. Oh, God, every now and then. Love Motown stuff. Okay, here's my last radio question. Okay. And I don't know if this is going to be a curveball or not. Okay. Say. Have oh, you ever had any desire to move to a bigger market? Um, yeah, I have. Um, just recently, it's, you know... Uh, we made a lot of changes around here, and, uh, you know, I was just kind of feeling like I was in a rut, and I was looking at things. There's a couple of things that are kind of keeping me here um, that would be family-oriented and uh, also relational-oriented. Sure. Um, but, yeah, I've looked into it before, and there are opportunities out there, but radio, unless you've been at a station for a while, um, I don't know, the best way to say it is, yes, I have, but for the time being, I think I'm in the right place, and... Uh, you know, uh, what's the best way to say it? Happy to be here, and I think some more changes are coming here. And I can't really tell you about that, but it looks like I may be getting a lot more responsibility here in the Good. near future. Well, I, I hope that it wasn't too much of a problem. Oh, no, no. But I, it is, it's my natural curiosity, especially in a medium like this. It seems like that most people in this medium, whether you're in radio or television, your ultimate goal is to... Go, get a re bigger audience. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's why I was curious, but I know that you're really rooted in Greenwood, mm. and I, I didn't think you would say, "Oh, I'm taking off tomorrow." <laughs> I'm going to Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. All right, so let's uh, let's transition a little bit and let's talk about the your local music. Okay, uh, cool. You and I, you and I go a few years back as far as our interactions on the music scene. Yeah. Um, Especially with your creation, uh, you and Keller Ridgeway created Spring Fest. Yeah. I think that was really when we first kind of interacted yeah. together because I was, I was still kind of, I mean, I had been playing for seven years at that point because Spring Fest was what 2014. Um, yeah, I had been playing in town for seven years, but I still wasn't really well known on the music scene. And so I was like, please let me play on Spring Fest. But um, I wanted to ask you about Brown Sugar Substitute. Okay, sure. Uh, I loved Brown Sugar that Substitute. That was a lot of fun for a while. One, that really was, was one of my favorite uh, local bands. Um, where where did y'all go, or was it just at that time in history that it was just you were going in different directions? I know that everybody was a lot younger back then. Yeah. Um, I, is that kind of just how it happened it was kind of like a natural phasing out i think there's a you know there's a couple of things that happened but that's just it was a lot of childish immature band things stuff. That's why, yeah band <laughs> stuff and not saying that anybody was in the wrong or anybody was in the right but i think that i think by the the where we got i think a lot of bands reach a like a peak to a certain degree 
to where you everyone's going to have like a different opinion like what song should we play or you know like how are we going to keep doing this because sometimes you just keep doing the same thing and and for some people it gets boring and then they want to change it this way and the other person wants to change it that way i think that was kind of what happened and is is, i mean as soon as that band was over i think we had we had a lot of fun it was a good ride but i mean if it wasn't for that band you know you wouldn't have pretty much had bad weather state start up um i wouldn't have started playing out acoustically more Dwayne or done mucho dinero for a while right bonnie situation wouldn't have happened um crawfish like they you know keller and will went and started playing like you know and then like look you know keller and will play with ryan pitts now so it's almost it really like spawned a it, lot of yeah it's a lot of things came out of those five people playing so if there was a family tree the brown sugar might be at the top it could and then be things kind of started to branch off yeah with it I just I just, I loved Brown Sugar and I loved what y'all did and um, I was just curious about that. So let's talk about your beginning in music. So you did an interview in 2017 with Laura Beth Brooks mm-hmm. in which you told her that you asked for a bass at the age of 18. Yeah. Now you're such a you're you're an excellent bass player. You're mm-hmm. an excellent musician. Uh, just playing. It doesn't matter what kind of instrument you're holding. But my question is, is that when you actually started playing? Yeah. So you you just one day said, I want to start playing a bass, and it was at the age of 18? Yeah, I think it was like, it was 17, it was 17 or 18, because I remember I was, I graduated when I was 17, and my church youth group band had everything but a bass player. And one of my best friends from North Carolina at the time, uh, Andrew Shank, he played bass. And I would sit there and watch him play, and I just thought, man, that's such this sounds like fun. And like he would he would sit there, you know, like I could teach you how to play, you know, whatever. And you know, to be honest, he wasn't that good at the time either. But he was, and his dad was a drummer, so I would sit there and watch them jam sometimes. I just thought it was really interesting. So eventually, yeah, my aunt was actually going to buy me. A, I left that out of the story. My I, my aunt was going to buy me a mandolin, and my, I asked my dad for a bass. I got the a cheap, super cheap bass, never got the mandolin, so my musical journey could have went completely in a different direction. I could be playing with you right now and, and Sprouse and Brock and Jackson Station, and I'll probably be picking banjo or mandolin or something sure. like that. So, um, yeah, but I'm I'm happy as all get out that I chose to play the bass mainly, and I think I have the best, the most passion to play it, but it's the hardest thing to play by yourself. Yeah. So, and then I didn't start singing uh, till, I don't know, I didn't start playing acoustic till a couple years after that, and then I got all electric, and then, you know how it goes. Just, <laughs> you know how it goes. It, it's moss on a rolling stone. I I, uh, I I don't think you know this, but that that's what we have in common. The bass was the first thing I picked oh, up. Oh, nice. Uh, when I was 12, okay. I, I wanted a bass guitar, and right here near the Sunny Studios, there used to be a pawn shop. Right I know what you're talking about, yeah. And, um... And I told my dad, and I said, I, I really want to play bass. He said, okay. He said, if you're really going to work at it, I'll get you lessons, and we'll get you go get you a bass guitar. Nice. And um, started taking lessons from Mike Newell and quickly realized that bass by yourself is really boring. <laughs> yeah, it can be. Uh, yeah. And that's when I said, you know, at, I think about age 15. And, and plus, you know, bass, you have to have rhythm. You have to. Yeah. Without a drummer, to, it's just, ugh. I know. And, and so it just wasn't for me. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, that's when I picked up a guitar. But I, I was really fascinated by that interview that you did with Laura Beth uh, Brooks. So you're 
still rolling along with bad weather states. Mm-hmm. You're still rolling along with Waterloo too. What is the Waterloo connection? Is that in that where Dwayne lives? Yeah, is that Dwayne right? lives so out that's there. where y'all get. That's yeah. where Shout y'all out get that to from. Dwayne Terry. <laughs> Have you? I, I guess um, with COVID, bad weather's not playing as much. Yeah. Um, have you guys found that it is much easier? It's it's a good thing to be mobile with the duo group, mm-hmm. and because you you can kind of go and do things, and people still want you. Yeah, well, the thing is, is like a lot of places around here, um, you know, like Howards and Boons. Uh, just take those for instance. Like they'll consistently pay you the same amount for five people, whatever. And since COVID hit, you know, like you know, no one goes out, so therefore the bar's not making money, therefore they can't pay five people, therefore if you don't eliminate a couple of people or do some acoustic stuff, um, you're, you're kind of just going to be like sitting around with your thumb up your butt, and luckily, you know, I, sometimes if Dwayne can't play, Will play with me. Um, sometimes I'll very occasionally play by myself, but you know, whether it's with Will or Dwayne, and I think over time I've become a little bit more comfortable playing with Dwayne, but it's a whole different thing because Dwayne will sit there and play guitar and solo and extend every song and we'll go there and jam and have more fun. Um, not saying that playing with Will Thompson is not as fun, but when Will plays with me, I have a drummer and I have someone to harmonize with. So then, so, so then I all of a sudden I take it more seriously. So that's why I say it's not as fun, even though I think the music gets a little bit more like a little bit more chiller and like we sound a little bit better vocally. But then when Dwayne plays with me, it's more like, Let's stomp our feet and have a good time with Will. It's like, oh, listen to them. <laughs> so, so with Dwayne, it's like you're you're in the backyard next to a fire and everybody's goofing around and having a yeah, good time. Yeah, that's what with feels Will. Like. It's like this needs to be structured because Will, I I got to do um, hometown Hodges with Will and his vocals, his harmonies. Yeah, you know, he and I never practiced one note together. Exactly, he's and that good. it's he's that just good. he's that good. And um, so let me ask you this. Uh, so Waterloo 2, I assume, is just something that y'all are always going to do. It's always going to be a fun thing to be around town. Yeah. Bad Weather, clearly y'all are a really good band, and y'all have higher aspirations. Is there anything on the horizon? Are y'all recording new stuff? Or uh, Well, we're, we recorded, um, we've only released two of the songs, um, but you know, we recorded at Stephen Cathcart's place. We did our first LP and our first EP with Dwayne out at his house. Right. Um, and then we earlier this year we were recording with Steven and we I think we knocked out five or six. I don't it's such a long time ago, I forget which songs we knocked out and which one we didn't. But we released two of them, um, six one three and I forget I can't even think of the other one we did release. Like it, that's I'm drawing a big blank right now. But yeah, we released two, but there's others from that. So we don't know if we're gonna record more and put them all like on an album album. Or just release them as singles because yeah. we've done the EP and done the album. I, in my opinion, I've expressed that to the band. Maybe, well, what if we just did singles? Like you know, we'll try something different, especially in this day and age, especially during the pandemic. What putting a whole album out is not really going to do you much good if but you're if not you going slowly, out and playing it. If you're not going out and playing your right. music consistently, there's no point in releasing a whole album, in my opinion. But, you know, we're five people that have all our opinions, so sure. we'll have to come together well, on that. Well, I mean, you know, I guess you could think about it if you slowly released one at a time mm-hmm. every few weeks or something like that. It's always keeping something fresh and keeping people, you know, keeping people's minds on what you guys are doing. Yeah. Instead of releasing it all in one blast and you're like, all right, I've listened to it. I'm going to move on to something else. But, <laughs> True. Um, okay, so let me ask you a couple more questions. Do you have a favorite local band? Favorite local band, and that's a tough question. Um, 
I think that changes. <laughs> I think that changes. Um, lately, to be honest, if it's the regular lineup of Ryan Pitts and Southern, Southern Gentleman, I think that's my favorite because you have Ryan, who is a wonderful vocalist, um, Keller and Will, who can harmonize with him. Right. Keller's a hell of a guitar player, Will's a hell of a drummer, and Nick is a hell of a bass player. Right. Um, it's not always like, you know, like, a, like I'm a much more of a rock and roll hearted person, like to quote Eric Clapton, I got a rock and roll heart. But when it comes to that, like, it's good. It, it's really good. Um, they are so good. That's kind of my answer right now, too. If, if, if someone said, hey, let's go out and watch somebody tonight, it would be Ryan Pitts and the Southern Gentleman. Yeah. They're just that, they're really that good. And to, to not be playing that long... That first hometown Hodges they did, the first one that, and when it, they were out at the farm in Hodges, it was unreal how, how good that was. Um, and when the Mez are on, they're on. The Mez. Uh, sometimes they have like these moments and songs and jams, and you got Austin Woodard over there playing keys and bass at the same time, which is already like what? And then he's like helping, you know, Zach sing and. Zach, like, I've never seen a person in the last couple of years progress at guitar so fast. The guy got, like, he was good and then just started progressively getting better. And in my opinion, no, no offense to Ryan Doolittle, but you added Will in your band. You added Will right. <laughs> and a vocalist. Um, it's kind of hard to be that. And, you know, Will's got a lot of experience in jamming. So I kind of miss jamming sometimes, too. Like, if they ever... Asked me to play bass and Austin Woodard just wanted to play keys one night. Uh, sign me up. I, I would be down for that. I'll be there. I'll be there. Uh-huh. Yeah. I played bongos with them one night. The <laughs> Mez is a very fun band. Yeah, very fun. Um, they're, they're, they're a lot of fun to be around. Who's the uh, who's the best mu- musician that you've ever played with? Ooh, wow. Mm. That, that, that can go a lot of ways. That could go a lot of ways because the, you can think about overall talent or you can think about someone's voice, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of different. I would say, to it. I would say, yeah, <laughs> I've played with a lot of people, man. I've been in like ten bands, so, oh man, if you used to talk about like all around, there's nothing that Stephen Cathcart can't do. Right. Um, I've been in two or three bands with him. He can sing. He can play bass. He can solo on a guitar. He can play drums. He's he a great can, songwriter. He can be great songwriter. He can play keys. Anything you put in front of him, I mean, he can write a song. I mean, he's, he's got it. I mean, vocally and guitar-wise, Keller is pretty damn amazing. Um, and, but I don't know. I think maybe the most well-rounded musician, um, may, it may have to be Will. Because he can play bass, he can play guitar, he can play drums, he can sing. I don't um, think I've ever seen Will play guitar. He can play guitar, he can pick. Yeah. He does a little pick, but he can play a little bit of bass. If the kid's got groove. But I really wouldn't like, you know, like to pick a favorite. I mean, if you talk of even like like Nick's a wonderful rhythm slash lead, but he's a heck of a bass player. So yeah. I mean that that could go a million ways. I've really I technically can't say I've played with Austin, but I guess I technically can. And Austin Woodard's gotta be up there too. Yeah. Hey, I mean he can play guitar, piano, sing, the, write. Uh, <laughs> he um, can do it all. I mean this in the most complimentary way. I don't know what's going on in that dude's head. He is, he is just, he's, he's so in tune with so many different things. Yeah. When we got to record the American Pie thing with him, and I felt so bad for him because I was like, I did 18 cuts, you know, for yeah. one line. But he knew exactly what he wanted to hear. Yeah. And um, he's got a really talented ear for sound. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's why the Mez is so good. The Mez is just a really good. Zach and, and Austin, they're, they're just they're really good at it. And, of course, Will now in the band as well. Okay, so let's let's wrap up. Let's put right. let's put the podcast in a bow here. So okay. uh, first thing is, I ask everyone, what is the best thing about Greenwood? The best thing about Greenwood, or what? Uh, let me let me rephrase it then. Okay. What, okay. what does Greenwood do well? What does Greenwood do well? Um, hmm. Wow, that's a really good question. I think when it counts, people come together. I've seen that happen so many times. Um, whether it was, I think there's just some people in this town, and of course not everyone cares about Grammy. That's you know because if they did, this town would be much better. Right. Um, but there's some people, even you doing this, it shows that you're not only doing it for yourself, you're doing it for the community. Um, you know what we did over there a couple weeks ago with everybody doing. I think some people genuinely care about this town. Well, and a lot of talent, and we're a small town, but we're not the smallest, but we're not the biggest. And if it was for an interstate being a little bit closer to us, we'd be like a mini Greenville. I mean, if you really think about it. I, I have thought about that several times, that we could use an interstate, uh, but then it, it would be... It, it would change the feel. It would, it would change the feel of the town, yeah, but the, I would say that people, there's a sense of of community when you look at the heart. I think Greenwood has a heart, and I think some people that don't plug themselves in or don't get out there don't get to discover it, but there are some people, like our mayor, B, really cares about our town. Our former mayor, Welburn, really cared about our town. All the people that work in Uptown Greenwood, like Laura Brown, um, people in our local music scene, just doing different things in different ways. Um, yeah, Greenwood does local music, well, I'll tell you that. <laughs> maybe 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 that's it because we go out of town I can't tell you how many times I've played with different groups or heard from other groups that play out of town um, and they were like what's in the water in Greenwood how, wh- how's all this talent coming out of one town and so maybe musically talented local musicians maybe that's what we do great maybe that'll be my answer <laughs> do, you, do you have a sense of what maybe Greenwood could improve on huh we need, I think um, we need more like, I think more like community like events. Like, you know, we have the, like the splash pad is a good thing for kids. Like there needs to be something for kids and adults to do besides go to church, go out to eat or go drink. Um, we need more uh, events like wag, Wagon Jam that's happened tomorrow. We need more things like that happen over there. It doesn't have to be music. It could be like movies, like the 25 driving. That's a unique thing. We need more things that aren't sitting around food, drink, or church. We need to be a little bit more like the Grace Street Dog Park or West Cambridge. Those are good things a town like us think. We could use a few more of those. Right. Yeah. Okay, final question, and then that's the end of the interview. Okay. Uh, but it's always a fun question. So if someone was starting a new band and came to you for advice, what song would you tell them to stay away from? <laughs> Man. What song should I tell them? This is this song you just should not play in front of people. It's either, you know, it could be different reasons. It could be because it's just played out, it's lame, it'll get you kicked out of the place, (laughs) you know, something along the way. I can tell you the last song I want to hear on the radio or at a baseball or football game is Sweet Caroline. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it at all anymore. Me and my friend Mike Clayman in college really like wrote backup lyrics. So it's like, Sweet Caroline. 
like, this song sucks. We have a whole thing to follow each line in that song. So please don't do Sweet Caroline in a bar because if you do, I will walk out and I'll probably give you a negative tip, which is me writing, don't play this song on a piece of paper. Well, you know, the, the, the running joke for a long time was Wagon Wheel. Yeah, yeah. Um, wagon Wheel, I don't But But it, this is no offense because there's so many people around here that do this song uh, really well. Uh. But I feel like Tennessee Whiskey is the new Wagon Wheel. and Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. But the thing is, is that people just ask for it. They're yeah, like, they come on, do you do Tennessee Whiskey? It I'm doesn't like, matter I'm how sure old or does. young, what sex they are, what color they are. Yeah, everybody wants to hear Tennessee Whiskey. That that may be a great answer on that one. That's uh, Yeah, and some... Some people do it well, and if people out in the crowd want to hear it, they request it, and they give you a tip. Or if you just want to make people happy, play it. But guarantee, like, there's three people in the bar that want to hear it, and probably the other 50 don't. Right. In my opinion. <laughs> That's just my professional radio and musician opinion. Well, you are a professional, so... <laughs> Austin, thank you so much for doing this. I hope you enjoyed it. Oh, man, um, I'm glad that you asked me to do it, not only to bring the podcast back, but also to be your first guest. It's a pleasure and honor. Yeah, well, uh, you have done, I noticed when I was doing my research for you, you've done several articles in print media around Greenwood. You've done Index Journal a couple times. You've done the Lander Alumni Magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did discovergreenwood.com. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you I get I get the sense that you're the king of Greenwood Media. Oh, that's, Lord. That's kind of what I'm getting oh, here. No. That's, that's the vibe I'm getting. But, <laughs> I'm going to um, say that. That's the first thing I'm going to say. Clay Sprouse proclaimed me the king of Greenwood Media. I'm going to start out the afternoon show today for Way Back Wednesday on that, even though this you'll hear this after Way Back Wednesday, I understand. Well, um, I, I just want to thank our listeners. Make sure to hit subscribe on Google on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, whatever podcast you're listening to. Please make sure to do that. Our next guest after Austin is going to be Travis Moore, okay. Greenwood County Probate Judge, and that should be a fun interview. And hopefully, we'll get that rolled out to you sometime soon. But I want to make sure that Austin gets his stage for a little while. So <laughs> until you. next time, Greenwood, we appreciate it. Thank you, Clay. Yep, you're welcome. Thank you again for joining us on Greenwood on Deck. Please make sure to look up our Facebook page, Greenwood on Deck Podcast, and we will talk to you next time, Greenwood.